If you were with us um, last week, you might have heard me mention that my parents uh, were in town. They were here from uh, New Jersey, and so we had a great week uh, with them. But I don't care how old you get, whenever you're around your parents, you feel like you're eight years old again. And I definitely felt like that some of the time. And my parents have way too much dirt on me that they can share with my children, and that puts me in a very compromising position, so I don't like that a lot. And thankfully, my parents didn't give up too much because there's a lot of information there. But one of the things that it just reminded me of is what it's like to be a kid again. Sometimes you forget what it's like to be a kid and maybe until you're around your parents or your grandparents or something like that. And, and I remember as a kid, and I think it's universal to all generations, is there are always people you want to be like when you were a kid. Maybe it's an athlete, maybe it's an entertainer, maybe it's a, an author, maybe it's a musician, maybe it's somebody from literature, but you know, there are always people that we want to be like, and we have posters of them in our room, and um, you have toys and all of those things, and I was no different. There were people I wanted to be like when I was a kid, and one of the people that I know I liked and a lot of my friends liked was a guy named Evil Knievel. Now, to some of you, you're nodding. For others, like, what's he talking about? Who's Evil Knievel? Google it. Trust me, it's worth it. But Evil Knievel was this stuntman extraordinaire who did all of these amazing stunts. He's jumping over rivers. He's jumping over cars. And, and probably, and there he is. There's a picture. And he looks very stylish, as you can tell. That's very, very stylish. And his most famous or infamous jump was he jumped over uh, some cars at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Well, he does this jump and he crashes, and he breaks 30 bones in his body, and he's in a coma for a month, okay? And do you know that Evil Knievel holds the world record for the most broken bones ever? He had broken over 430 bones in his lifetime. I don't know how many bones are in your body, but he's probably broken all of them at some point. So you sit there and you say, well, who would want to, to imitate? Who would want to be like this guy? Well. Fast forward to 2018, and here comes Travis Pastrano. And he is an X-game gold medalist. He is a BMX guy, and he wants to be just like Evil Knievel. And so he recreated the jump where Evil Knievel broke 30 bones and went into a coma. He recreates this jump. He puts on the, the white leather jumpsuit and the boots and the cape. He does all of these things. And when he was asked, why in the world would you want to do this? He said, because I want to bring all generations together. I want to bring my parents' generation, my generation, and my kids' generation together to get off the couch and to get out and to be active in life. And I think that's great. I think that's awesome to be active. And believe it or not, and Travis may not know this, what he's doing is very similar to what David is talking about in Psalm 101 trying to bring all generations together and point them towards something bigger. And what David is doing is he's trying to bring all of the generations together and point them towards the Messiah. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you want to grab your Bibles, uh, we're going to take a look at Psalm 101. So let me read this, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about this. It says this, I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. 
When will you come to me? I will conduct my affairs uh, of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part of it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. You know, this is called a royal psalm. For putting psalms in categories, this would be a royal psalm because it points to someone of royal heritage. Now, David wrote it, and David was king, but as we're going to see, it really points to the one who is a true king, the coming Messiah. Now, David was very interesting in writing this because he sets up an awesome standard to try to live by. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, hey, I'm going to live like this? We sang about that earlier. I want to live like that. So we say, here are the standards which I'm going to live by, I'm going to parent by, I'm going to be a spouse by, and they're great standards, and you really want to live up to those. In fact, let me list them for you. Listen to these standards that David said, here's how I'm going to live. He says, I'm going to ponder the way that's blameless. I'm going to walk with integrity in his home. He's not going to look at worthless things. He's going to hate those who fall away from following God. He's going to stay away from a perverse heart. He's not going to slander his neighbor, and he's not going to practice deceit or lies. I mean, those are all great things to emulate, to imitate, to strive to be like. Who wouldn't want to to live like that? But we all know David didn't live like that. We know the story of David and Bathsheba. One night when David was supposed to be leading the military, he walks out on his roof. He looks down and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. He sends for her. He lays with her. She becomes pregnant and now the cover-up begins. He calls Bathsheba's husband Uriah to come come back from war. And then he sends him back on the front line so he's killed. So did David live up to to the standards that he set? He didn't. He failed miserably. And so often we try to live up to standards that we can never, ever meet. And what this psalm is really talking about is how can you and I live a life of covenant faithfulness? How can we be faithful to God? How can we live up to the standards that God has put on us? It is really, really challenging to do that. And so what we're going to look at in the rest of the psalm is how can you and I live a life that is faithful to God? We sang about, I want to live like that. So how do we live like that? That being faithfulness of God. Well, I think the first thing that we can understand from this text, and and we can look at it here in this one verse, in verse 4, I will have nothing to do with what is evil. If we want to live a life of covenant faithfulness, we have to avoid evil in our life. That seems like a simple statement, but everywhere we look, there seems to be evil. So here's the question. How do we define evil? Because different generations, different countries, different people define evil very differently. How do we define evil? Well, let's give a general description of evil that I think we can all agree with. Evil is anything that is in opposition to God's word. I think we could probably all agree to that. If something runs contrary to what God's word teaches us, then we can classify that as evil. But how do we typically define evil? What we do is we take a a metaphorical bow and arrow, we shoot it, 
We let it lay, and then we go up and we draw the bullseye around it and go, man, I nailed it. That's a great way to define evil. Shoot the arrow and then draw the target around it. But God's word is really clear. Anything that is in opposition. So let's break that down. If we say, well, let's define evil. Let's define it in two ways. What we see and what we say. Let's talk about evil in the context of what we see and then what we say. So what is coming in is what we see and what is coming out is what we say. So, all right, we see things all the time. So what is a commonality of something that all of us see on a daily basis? Because we live in different places. We work in different places. Let's talk about technology. Right? We all utilize technology, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on TV, whether it's in the movies. All of us view technology. And sometimes that technology is not glorifying to God. Sometimes that technology doesn't help us live in a way that brings us closer to a covenant life with God. I want to give you some statistics that maybe you're aware of, maybe you are not. Do you know that in 2017, teenagers spent nine hours a day online? 30% of that was on social media. And we love to get on young people about that. It's worse statistics for adults. Listen to these statistics. Adults spend two hours a day on social media, which is five years and four months of your life. Adults will watch seven years and eight months of TV in their lifetime and still say there's nothing on. Adults will spend three years and five months eating one year and 10 months grooming, and only six months of their life doing laundry. So I'm very concerned that we are in dirty clothes, laying around, watching TV. And you know who you are because you're laughing. You're like, yeah, I gotta go do laundry. I gotta eat while I get online and watch TV. See, we sometimes allow some of these images to come in our mind. And look, I'm not here to be the social media police. I use social media all the time. That's not what this is about. This is about what are we allowing to come in because what comes in determines what comes out. And if we want to live a life of covenant faithfulness, then we need to understand evil and we need to do everything we can to avoid it. Just because the world says it's not that bad doesn't mean that it's not bad for you in any possible way. Have you ever thought, how did we get to this place of evil being around us? How did evil enter the world? Let's go back to Genesis. Remember Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and God was very clear on what they could and could not do. God said, do not eat from the tree of life. But listen to what the great deceiver comes and tells us from Genesis 3, 4 through 7. The devil says to Adam and Eve, you surely will not die the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, for food was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Evil enters visually so many times. So many times the evil enters visually and it gets a hold of our heart and it changes the way that we think of how we look at each other, how we look at life, how we look at different things. 
See, Adam and Eve thought, well, it's okay. It was pleasing to the eye. And and I know what's right and I know what's wrong. But we have to understand anything that is contrary to the will of God is evil. And if we want to live a life of covenant faithfulness to God, the first step is we have to define evil and we have to avoid evil. Listen to how Jesus says it. He says this in Matthew 6. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, the eyes are the lamp of the body. And if we allow evil to come in and negative things to come in, well, then what do we think is going to come out? See, what we see determines our hearts. And if we're not seeing the right things, if we don't look for the beauty of God, and if we just see all of man-made things, then we're going to allow evil to take hold of us. And so if we truly want to live a life of covenant faithfulness, if we want to be obedient to God, if we truly want to live for God, then we have to avoid evil. And And the first part of it is we have to monitor what we are seeing. And again, I'm not here to be the social media police or the internet police. I'm not here to say everybody cut the cord and and walk away. That's not what I'm saying. Because we utilize technology for good ways. But if we don't monitor those things, it's going to corrupt our soul. The second thing, if the first way to avoid evil is what we see, the second is to watch what we say. You know, we live in a world and you can turn on the news and you can hear people saying the worst things about people who disagree with their opinion. Right? We live in a world now where if you don't agree with what somebody says, they're absolutely going to say horrible things about you, and we're going to call it news, regardless of what perspective you come from. Look at social media. Look at how we tear people down, kids and adults, the things we say to and about each other. You know, we're talking about trying to emulate possible people. We are not emulating Christ when we tear each other down. We're not emulating Christ when we say negative things. See, so many times, pastors, you know what we're guilty of? We're guilty of saying, be like Paul, be like Moses, be like Abraham. We do a lot of be like sermons. But the truth of the matter is we're not called to be like them. Do you know who we're called to be like? Jesus Christ. We're called to be like Christ. We're called to live like that. That is a life of covenant faithfulness to God. And so we've got to understand to avoid evil, it's about avoiding what we see, but it's being careful about what we say. And so often what we say is so harmful and hurtful. Words have weight. Words have impact. And the things that we say can leave a very powerful impact. So how are we supposed to talk? Listen to what Scripture teaches us here in 1 Peter 4. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should serve and do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever. How about in Ephesians? Get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. The things that we say have an impact. Think about our brother Andrew Brunson. He's in Turkey. He is in prison for something that he did not do. They're accusing him of things he did not do. People are slandering him in his trial, and now his latest trial got moved to October. And you know what Andrew Brunson said? He said, I forgive those who have done this to me. Wouldn't that have been a moment for him to say something? Or how about Jesus? 
Think about what Jesus went through. I want to give you just a list of these. The religious people spoke lies about him. His friends abandoned him once he was arrested. Peter denied even knowing him. He was whipped, beaten, and stripped of his clothes. He was nailed to a cross to die the worst death possible. If there was ever a moment in human history where somebody said, you know what, I've held my tongue and I have been abused and I have had lies told about me and I'm going to say something right now because I am sick and tired of what people have said to me and done to me. I've had it. I'm going to respond. How many of us have felt like that? Somebody has absolutely been trashing us online, in person. People have been rude to us. We say, that's it. I have to respond. How did Jesus respond? What did he say from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We're trying so hard to be like our favorite athlete or entertainer or musician instead of understanding that we are called to be like Christ. And yes, we are called to forgive people. If we want to live a life of covenant faithfulness to God, guess what? We got to forgive people. And that's hard. And that doesn't feel good. And it's messy. And it's not popular. But it's Christ-like. How many of us walk around filled with a grudge, filled with anger towards somebody. And the world would say, you're justified. They were talking bad about you. They treated you horribly. They ignored you. Everybody says, you're right. You should respond. But we're called to be Christ-like. That's hard. That's messy. But it's required. We're called to forgive people. If we want to be Christ-like, we have to avoid evil. Part of avoiding evil is saying, I'm not going to respond to evil with evil. I'm going to respond with love. Jesus Christ looked evil right in the eye, and he says, I forgive you. Can we do the same? Look at this text. Look at how, how it builds. Verse 3 it says, I will not look with approval on anything that is, anything that is vile. And then verse 4, the perverse of heart shall be far from me. And then again in verse 4, I have nothing to do with evil. We go from vile to perverse to evil. And see, our anger builds. And what we see and what we say builds. And then we aren't Christ-like. We become world-like. And the world says, but you know what? You are well within your rights to do that. We live in a world that says you should be like anybody but Christ. And if we want to live a life of covenant faithfulness, we've got to forgive. We have to avoid evil. Because if we just give in to what the world says, then we're going to end up with what it says right here. If you have your text, look at verse 7 and then look at verse 8. It says, no one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. I will cut every evildoer from the city of the Lord. That if we think that we can live a life that is not Christ-like, and stand in the presence of God and dwell in the house of God, then we've given in to the lies of the world. See, part of a life of covenant faithfulness and avoiding evil is submitting to God. Jesus Christ never ingested evil and he never expelled evil. Think about that. He never ingested the evil of the world and he never expelled it. He never said, I told you so, and now I'm going to zap you guys. He never said that. He said, Father, forgive them. We're called to be Christ-like. Billy Graham is awesome, but don't be like Billy Graham. Nelson Mandela is awesome, but don't be like Nelson Mandela. You can pick your favorite athlete. Tim Tebow is great, but don't be like Tim Tebow. 
There are amazing people out there, but don't be like them. Be like Christ. That's how we live a life of covenant faithfulness. Instead of trying to be like somebody else, we're called to be like Christ. And see, Jesus submitted fully. Have you submitted fully to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? I mean, submitted. Christ submitted to the Father, even to the point of dying death on a cross. How have you submitted? Because to be like Christ, you have to avoid evil. You have to submit to the Father's plan. And that's hard because God's plan is not our plan. God's ways are not our ways. See, we like to say, hey, God, this is a great plan. Can you just come and bless it? Come on, God, jump on board and bless this. As opposed to saying, God, what's your plan? I submit fully to it. If we want to be Christ-like, we've got to avoid evil. We've got to submit to God's plan. And how do you know what God's plan is? It's in his word. It's in his word. Now, I want, to, I want to share with you two things that I'm not supposed to share with you. It's not politically correct. It's not popular. It's not going to win me any points. Some of you are going to be very offended by what I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you because God tells me to tell you this. I know that everybody sits here and says, yeah, I, I know I'm not perfect. I probably have some evil that's stirring around in my heart. And, and, I, and I'm probably not always handling things right. And you're right. But here's the thing. You and I are much more wicked than you could ever imagine. And I mean wicked. You and I are deplorable. You and I are, are so depraved in our lives. We don't like to think about that. We don't like to talk about that. But when you compare who we are and how we live to God's word, not the world, but to God's word, we are so much more wicked and deplorable than you could ever imagine. People say, how dare you judge me, pastor? It's all of us. It's every one of us. There's nobody in here. You, here here's, the, here's the bad news. You, are, you and I are more wicked and deplorable than you could ever fathom in your life. Now, here's the other point. You and I are loved more than you could ever imagine. You can't begin to imagine how much you and I are loved by God. God loves you and I so much. Despite our wickedness, despite our faithlessness, God loves us so much. And we've got to live a life that says, you know what, I know I'm loved by God. That says, I know I'm wicked, I know I'm nasty, I know I'm not perfect, but God loves me. And I want to imitate the love of God to others by forgiving them and avoiding evil. Do you know how much God loves you and I? He sent his only son to die for us. Now think about this. There isn't a parent or grandparent in here who would not do anything for their child or grandchild. You'd do anything. But would you do something for a child in Illinois that you never met? Maybe. Maybe not. God sent his only son to take the wrath for all of the evil that is in us and that is in the world. That's how much God loves us. This passage points us to the one who can, can bring us hope in Jesus. See, David couldn't live up to those standards. He couldn't do it. Guess what? You and I cannot live up to those standards. It is only by the power of Christ that we can. Because one day we're all going to stand before God, every one of us. Now, I think everybody kind of has a version of heaven. Mine is a drive-in movie theater. I love movies. 
And I feel one day when I die, I'm going to get there in the drive-in movie theater. It's just going to be me, and man, I'm just going to be sitting next to Jesus. And it's going to be like the best popcorn ever, right? And there's going to be the screen. I think he's going to show me like all the secrets like of the world, of the universe. I can't wait. And then the movie's going to start. And you know what the movie is? It's my life. And it's not the highlights. And it's going to be all those things that I thought nobody knew I thought or did. And I'm going to slink down slower in that seat because I feel like the trap door's coming. And he's going to look over at the end of that movie and I'm going to be in tears because I'll have realized how wicked I am. And he's going to look over and he's going to say, I forgive you. I love you. That's what this psalm points us to. Because God's not going to see the wickedness that is me. He's going to see the covenant faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The Bible says those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. See, the old is the evil us. The new is the redeemed us through Jesus Christ. I want you to wrestle with this this week. This is a hard, a hard message to hear because we don't like a lot of it. We like to just kind of get it on truth control and keep on going through life and say, I'm going to be like this person or be like this person, but we've got to be like Christ. We've got to take an inventory and say, am I intentionally avoiding evil? Am I forgiving people? Am I submitting to God's plan for my life, even though it's hard and it's long and, and it's not real comfortable right now? If we want to be like Christ, that's what he did. He avoided evil, he forgave people, and he submitted to God's plan. Remember in the garden, he says, Lord, if it be your will to take this cup. But it wasn't God's will, and he accepted it. We started talking about Travis Pastrano, that he was going to recreate this evil can evil jump. So I think we've got a, a video clip of this. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. He makes it look so easy, right? You're kind of like, eh, not a big deal. But it's amazing what he did. And, and he was able to inspire. You hear the people cheering. They're, they're so excited. They're probably kids are saying, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that. That looks awesome. And every mother's saying, you are never getting a bike, ever. <laughs> right? But here's the thing. We could probably go ahead and pause it because I'll lose everybody. Um, just being honest. So... Travis has absolutely inspired people. He's trying to bring generations together. How cool is that? And he didn't break any bones doing it. Think about the impact we can have if we live a life that's being like Christ. You won't break any bones. You won't go into a coma. You don't have to wear a white jumpsuit unless you want to. But when we are like Christ and people see that, you know what, we're not going to be like the world, but we're going to avoid evil, that, you know what, we're going to forgive each other. And that we're going to submit to God's plan. We will encourage and inspire others to say, I want to be like Christ. I'm going to ask Sarah and our music ministry to come up. And I want to give you three things to, 
just to think about, and these are, again, these are meant to be challenging questions. Number one, do you know what evil is? What's the standard that you're using to say that is evil, that is not evil? Is it God's word or is it the culture? How do you define evil? Number two, are you actively trying to avoid evil? Have you said, Lord, I know how you define evil and I'm going to take steps to try and avoid evil because I don't want evil coming in because I don't want evil coming out. And number three, are you trying to live a life of covenant faithfulness to God without Jesus? Do you say, I'm just good and moral and righteous? The only way we can live a life of covenant faithfulness is to be like Christ. Amen.